2: This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Katherine Shen. It's the most wonderful time of the year, or at least that's the idea with all the holiday songs playing and Christmas tree decorating. For many people, this is the happiest time, but for others, it can be a very different story. Today, we talk about the pressure of being happy, the fear of missing out, and the positives of bringing in new traditions while still keeping old ones. Are you looking forward to the holidays? Joining us now is Rabbi Deborah Cantor from the B'nai Tegvah Shalom Synagogue and Pastor Sean Fisher, who is from the Bloomfield Congressional Church. Thank you both of us, uh, for both of you, for joining us today.
3: Thank you, Catherine.
2: Thank you. And you can also join the conversation, 888-720-9677, that's 888-720-WNPR, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Rabbi Cantor, this is the most wonderful time of the year, but also a hard time for people. Why do you think that is?
0: I think that people, uh, first of all, let me stipulate one thing, that Hanukkah is probably the least stressful of the Jewish holidays. There's a simplicity to it. We light candles every night. We eat fried foods like potato pancakes and donuts, and um, and that's basically it. Nevertheless, we're still uh, caught up in um, uh, in the stresses of this of this time of year. And uh, I think if you spoke to me or to my congregants about a month before Passover, um, you would uh, feel uh, you would you would find that we are feeling very stressed um i think there's a cognitive dissonance for people um when they're constantly barraged by this is the most wonderful time of year this is so joyful this is and we hear all that because we are barraged by ads and by social media and you know everywhere you go there's uh there's uh, uh festive music playing and so forth and there are lights and we ask ourselves huh Why don't I feel that way? Um, And there are lots of reasons why individuals might not feel that way. There are all kinds of things going on in people's lives. And um, just because um, we are told that we should be, oh, this is such a wonderful time, um, doesn't mean that we necessarily feel that way. Um, So people are coping with all kinds of things. I have a a beloved colleague who's... uh, Whose daughter is struggling uh, with with terrible illness right now, and uh, and I'm thinking to myself, he has to um, be a pastor at Christmas, so he's going to have to kind of transcend what's going on with his life and his family's life, um, and be there for everybody else. So I th- I think this idea of um, of you know hearing one thing on the outside and feeling another way inside is really, really difficult. I think there are ways that we can cope with it. Uh, But I think one thing is just to acknowledge that not everybody's feeling so joyful. And even if we are in a pretty good place in our lives at this moment, it's not like we feel joyful all all the time. Life is complicated. Um, and, And I think to first acknowledge that and that we're not alone in that. It's not as if, oh, my God, the whole world is feeling wonderful and what's wrong with me?
2: I, I think um, you touched on some really good points. And, and I, I believe the conversation is more open now. I think more people are, are, are open to talking about how this is not mm-hmm. a joyful time for them. So, uh, Pastor Sean, I, I want you to respond to what you just heard. like, what, Why do you think this is such an emotionally charged time of the year?
3: There's so many layers to this time of year the expectations that come with family, the expectations that come with the commercialism, sometimes there's this idyllic image of what life is supposed to be like, what Christmas or Hanukkah or the holidays um, are supposed to be like. And when you have a set expectation, a lot of which is created by other people, Um, by Hallmark movies, by, you know, corporations that want you to fit into a certain mold, these expectations are impossible to meet. And so if you have this desire to have this perfect, like, you know, an art tradition, this perfect Christmas, and you're having tension within the family, and there is conflict or other things, you may try to force yourself to pretend to be happy, you may try to make this one day, I know things are hard the rest of the year, but I want this one day to be right, or I want this one season to be right. And when it doesn't happen, the layers of expectations, not just of that day, but of the disappointments of life, the disappointments of relationships, can just get pressure cooked into this relatively short period of time. And so it all comes out. And so, things that have taken place over years, uh, people try to make up for in this season. And when those expectations aren't met, in addition to being, to, to having the normal disappointment, it, it gets exponentially worse and can, and can be crushing emotionally for people who have those expectations missed and disappointed.
2: Well, as you mentioned, the, the focus on let me just have this one day mean you just reminded me that I've heard that said in, in families and, and friends as parties over the years. And do you think the, that kind of feeling, is it more common than we think, especially since we are now more open to talking about it?
3: I absolutely do. I, I think it's broad based. I think even people who are enjoying the season, people who like this season, people who have things you know, quote, relatively together feel that pressure. And so I think it's, it's common even for people who have things going on great. And it's just worse for people who don't. And I think it's so important. Um, One of the most important solutions to dealing with these feelings is making sure um, that, you know, you're not the only one having them. And I agree, Catherine, that you know we're in a much healthier place where people are talking about that and being in community and having communities whether it is um you know rabbi cantor's community or other forms of community being able to share that um, i reminded of a scene from rudolph the red-nosed reindeer where this um this elf herbie isn't fitting in with his group of people and he goes off and rudolph isn't fitting in and they meet each other in the middle of the snow and one of them says they're going to be independent and the other one says i'm going to be independent and they say let's be independent together you know and and i think if we admit these things and talk about these things out loud suddenly we're, we're not alone and the sense of being alone in these feelings is one of the things that can just make them compounded and, and add to that pressure. And when we can share in those things, it doesn't make them go away. It just takes some of that extra pressure and exponential pressure off of that.
2: Well, I think you just reminded us that we, we can learn so much from stories and, and movies. And speaking of community, Pastor Sean, what, what are you hearing from the people that you serve?
3: Like any community, when you bring a hundred plus, two hundred plus people, you know, together, it's diverse, and we're racially diverse, um, age diverse, um, you know, gender identification um, and LGBTQ plus diverse community of faith, and so a lot of complexity comes with that. So, in our period of time for Advent and that you know month leading up to Christmas Day on sunday you know we we try to acknowledge all of those things we we have that joy but acknowledge that there is sadness during these periods of time some people have anniversaries of people's deaths some people have something going on as my good friend rabbi Cantor just said with that other pastor that has a daughter who is you know who is struggling and you know and hurting and to acknowledge these things and say them out loud in community so that people feel like they have more permission to say their truth. And when you have the opportunity to say your truth, something is released and sometimes that's tears and sometimes that is exhaling and sometimes that is a hug and sometimes that is just walking in the presence of something bigger than just yourself. And one of the things that helps in community is having not everything just focused on you. And I think that one of the ways that we can help ourselves um, is by helping other people. And when you're in community, there are a lot of ways um, that you can help other people. And sometimes even when you're the one who's hurting, the, the solution to beginning to get out of that isn't just focusing on helping yourself, it's focusing on helping other people. And that's one of the things that we focus Uh, on, in particular, Bloomfield Congregational Church.
2: Rabbi Cantor, you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier in terms of uh, people having tense relationships with their family members. Can you go into more details in terms of, you know, how can people prepare for that and navigate through those relationships?
0: I think that there are ways to prepare for that. Um, As uh, Pastor Sean said, uh, family dynamics are complicated and they develop and they're often uh, ever-changing, and they develop over a number of years, and then people are faced with, oh my goodness, you know, family gathering, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at Hanukkah, at Passover, whatever it is. Um, one of the things that's important to do is to um, anticipate, not in, a, in the sense of dread, but in the sense of, what am I going to do uh, to get some of the pressure uh, off while I am there? what, what things are, what, what am I most dreading that, you know, my crazy uncle Joe is going to say to me, or, um, you know, what am I most dreading about seeing this sibling that with whom I've had a falling out and, and to try to play through in your mind in advance, what would be the worst thing that would happen? You know, that they say this, or they say that. And, um, so to prepare for those scenarios, but also to think about what is it that I'm looking forward to and what is it can, that I can do while I'm there beforehand, but especially while I'm there to uh, lessen the pressure. Can I take a walk and excuse myself? Um, can I just leave the room and have literally a breather? Um, can I am I looking forward to watching, you know, that uh, that special movie or whatever it is, to think about giving yourself some uh, time out and some treats, and um, and also to to play on what Pastor Sean said, to think about what you could do for somebody else, not just in terms of you know I'm this kind of passive recipient of uh, you know of treatment by others, but what am I going to do? Maybe I'm going to reach out to somebody. Um, and do something nice while I'm there for somebody else. That said, uh, a holiday gathering is not the time to uh, try to sort out all kinds of complicated family dynamics. That is certainly the worst time to do it. So to be aware of the fact that you're not going to solve all these um, complicated issues, Um, but you're going to try to uh, find some joy um, in those celebrations, find some joy in those gatherings. And if you can't seize a little bit of joy, um, then plan around uh, your difficult, possibly difficult family gathering plan a friend's gathering, plan something else around that time um, that will be uh, with people around whom you feel really comfortable and uh, and um, and where you you feel a sense of connection and a sense of community. I think that's really important. Um, and to think about what lies at the heart of this holiday, Um, And to try to go for that, you know, I I, I started by saying that there's a simplicity to Hanukkah about lighting these candles each night um, and eating these special foods. And it's not accidental that at this time of year, almost every faith and culture in the Northern Hemisphere, I will say in the Northern Hemisphere, at this time when the nights are long, last night was the longest night of the year, and um, light is scarce Um, And it's cold out. At this time of the year, all human beings long to celebrate light. We long to say, you know, to demonstrate we're not afraid of the dark. We can be together. We can appreciate the blessings of darkness, of the quiet, of the stillness of winter. And at the same time, we can celebrate the fact that we can be bringers of light in all of its manifestations. So so to really remind ourselves in all the craziness, the financial pressures of all the merchandising, relentless merchandising at this time of year, all the pictures on Pinterest, of this is what your holiday should look like, to try to kind of clear that away and, and ask ourselves, how can we appreciate the blessings of the dar- of darkness and how can we be bringers of light? We share that with all of humanity. And let's hold on to that because that lies at the center of all the gatherings at this time of year. And often that gets covered over um, by, Uh, especially the commercialism and the stress of these pictures we have in our mind of, you know, this is the way it ought to look, or this is the way my grandmother did it. And I have to make my grandmother's special recipe for fill in the blank. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe
2: you don't. Well, it sounds like we're having this show the perfect time, too. <laughs> yeah. It's been just winter solstice. And, and you also clear the way for the perfect question that I have for uh, Pastor Sean next is, you know, we, you, both of you have talked about that Hallmark movie moments and, and <laughs> how we need our you know holidays to be perfect, whatever the idea of perfectionism is. Can you talk about that pressure for having that perfect holiday? Pastor Sean?
3: Absolutely. <clears throat> so many people need a moment to be right and long for that, that that perfect time uh, around which they can say, at least I had this, um, if things have been difficult for them throughout the year or throughout the last three years or the last 10 years to to find something were all the right people saying all the right things, doing exactly what they expected with the with the fire there and the tree yep. and the lights and the right foods and the stuff from the past and the traditions and the new things and bringing all those people together and smiling and then everybody leaves and everybody's super happy and it's just not life. It's just not life. And none of the faith traditions um we're talking about in the northern hemisphere try to pretend it is as a matter of fact like the faith traditions as as my friend rabbi Cantor was saying about bringing light into you know into this in this period of darkness it's why these things happen now is to say we know that these things aren't all going well this is the point of the communities of faith the point of the faith the point of having gratitude for what we have because the light and the and the things that were intervening in the world to help us were happening when things were an absolute disaster. And so to have faith traditions that are oriented around God and people trying to make things better during periods of crisis and difficulty, to twist that into, hey, everything's supposed to be perfect. It's the exact opposite of what these... I don't even want to call them holidays. That these these periods of time that we're supposed to be orienting ourselves around how do we get through difficulty, they've been they've been perverted and twisted not just a little bit not just a little bit but into the exact opposite of what the underlying faith traditions were intended to do for people, which is to allow people to have a platform to acknowledge the difficulty in their personal lives in the country, in the world. I mean, think of the pressures that are going on right now globally, existentially, uh, nationally, and then you add on to that the day-to-day challenges of life. Things are hard. And to try to say this period of time is about having it all be perfect, again, is the exact opposite of what these periods of time were built for and created for and meant to be about.
2: From Connecticut Public Radio, this is where we live. I'm Catherine Shen. You've been listening to Rabbi Deborah Cantor from the B'nai Tekvah Shalom Synagogue and Pastor Sean Fisher, who is from the Bloomfield Congressional Church. They will both be staying with us. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about gratitude and how taking a step back can help ease that holiday stress. We hope you'll still stay with us, too, and join us in the conversation at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Katherine Shen. We've been talking about holiday stressors, like having to spend money that you may not have on presents or creating that picture-perfect Christmas dinner. But that doesn't have to be the case. Joining us now to tell us why is Chester Elton. He's the author of Leading with Gratitude and Anxiety at Work and also host of the podcast Anxiety at Work. Thank you so much for joining us, Chester.
1: Oh, thank you for the invitation.
2: And also still with us is Rabbi Deborah Cantor and Pastor Sean Fisher. You can also join the conversation, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Chester, I want you to just take a moment to respond to what you've been hearing from Rabbi Cantor and Pastor Fisher so far. Uh, Why do you think this can be a tough time of the year for so many people?
1: Well, I couldn't agree more with the rabbi and, and the pastor that there's this pressure to be perfect. And I think even more so now that we've got Instagram and we've got Facebook and we've got TikTok and, you know, you, you look at those uh, artificially perfect lives and you think, ah, that should be me. So there's added pressure, not only to have a perfect, you know, real life, it, to have this perfect digital life. I think there's there's pressure there too. The other thing I, I think, Catherine, that really takes uh, a toll on so many of us is uncertainty. You know, it's really interesting. My my co-author, Adrian Gostick, and I, when we took a deep dive into anxiety in the workplace, which is anxiety in life, right? The number one cause of anxiety is uncertainty. And there's been so much uncertainty over the last few years with the pandemic and employment and now inflation. And now there's a a war in europe and we've got relatives or friends that, that are attached to that and you know uh, the triple virus uh, stuff that's coming up and my will my kids be able to go to school and hybrid you know the list goes on and on and on and so i think that's a big stressor as well is should i be spending this much money on the holidays and should i be holding more in reserve and am i secure and you've probably seen a lot of that too catherine does that resonate with you as well the uncertainty of the season
2: adding to anxiety oh absolutely and the fact that you mentioned that anxiety at work is anxiety at life it's i mean especially with a job that i think we both do it's it it bleeds into your personal life it's really hard to make that separation and I feel like that would resonate with a lot of people. And we, you know, we've been talking about um, having gratitude and, and being grateful for the space that you have, but I think it can, it can also be difficult to have gratitude when you're having a hard time. And I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends where we're all very grateful for what we have, but it can still be burdensome. So do you have any tips to help us stay in the moment and stay grateful while still being able to recognize that? You know, things are tough sometimes.
1: Yeah. No. Listen. Thanks for that question. I I am a huge fan of symbols and rituals, and when you have a ritual that you fall back, and I'm sure the the, the rabbi and the pastor, you know that faith based communities have a lot of rituals, and it brings you a certain amount of of certainty you know and 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 tradition. So I really encourage people. In their gratitude practices to keep a gratitude journal you know there's been all kinds of really fun studies done that if you start to write down the things that you're grateful for and and maybe it's at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day it resets your brain it really does it resets your brain to say look of the world would probably trade places with any of us in in, in a nanosecond, right? When you think about how privileged we are and how safe we are in most of our communities, right? So that act of writing it down, I I will share with you, my, my wife and I have a wonderful tradition. At the end of the day, we say, what are your three? And we list three things that we're grateful for during that day. And by the way, you know, Catherine, sometimes the days are long, right? You go back and go, I'm grateful for, wow, was that today? That seems like that was last year. Today was so long, right? The point is, is that we often have more than three, more than three. And it's just a lovely way to end the day. I have a personal tradition. Um, it's, I, I love that we have so many faith-based people on the on the call. I grew up in a very faith-based spiritual family. And I I consider myself a, a Buddhist Mormon, which is kind of an odd combination. But the thing I love about the Buddhist tradition is their mantras. And so I start my day with a mantra that says, be kind, be grateful and be of service. And you'll remember that that came up with both the rabbi and the pastor, that when you're of service to people, it does reduce your anxiety, you get out of yourself and you're of service. It makes the people you serve feel great. And it makes you feel great. You know, like what your mom and dad taught you when you were five years old, better to give than to receive. Because when you give, you always receive. And and one last tip, and this is a a fun thing that, that I've started to do lately. I I have in my pocket, I always carry a couple of gratitude stones. They're they're simple little stones you can buy on on Amazon. They're they're not expensive. It's simply a river rock, a polished river rock, and it says gratitude on it. And when I'm, you know, I, I'm a big hockey fan. I go to the, the the Rock here in New Jersey for the Devils games. And and you've got the, the the police officers that make sure everybody gets across the street without getting run down by, you know, because hockey fans are crazy. Um, and I'll, I'll stop and say, thank you so much, officer. Here's a little token of my appreciation. It's a gratitude stone. And it's a stone to thank you for your service. And it's a stone because when you throw a stone in a pond, the water ripples just like gratitude be sure to pass it on. well Catherine, you'd think I'd be giving these people a, a, a Fabergé egg right? and, <laughs> and it's, it, it, it's a rock right remember um, so it's interesting simple little traditions simple symbol of symbolic oh do
2: we just lose Chester? Well, I was just going to say that would be a very expensive rock if it was a fragile egg that I'm talking into <laughs> into the lake. But Rabbi Cantor, I want to bring you back to the conversation too if you want to respond to what Chester just said. Right. i am <laughs>
0: just I'm just assembling my gratitude stones. I love, love, love that idea. um, and and honestly, just to even before I get those stones, just to thank people, you know, to go through my day. Thanking people uh, for what they're doing, I, I just think that's just a great thing. I'm just going to add the stone, the stone part to it. Um, right. Yeah. I, I what did you
2: want to ask me? Well, <laughs> well I was going to say I, I'm going to start making that list too. I think we've we've probably have a lot of yeah. uh, list making fans um, on the show and, yeah, and listening yeah, to us. But yeah. I just wanted to ask too. You know, how do we make our own expectations keep our own expectations around the holidays in check, and maybe make room for new traditions?
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I think I think we have to be. Um, <laughs> I think we have to be really mindful. We have to be really mindful of um, what are the traditions that that I want to that I want to keep, that I want to make my own, that I want to adapt. What are some things that I want to uh, try that I've heard of? Um, what do I want? What's a new tradition I want to start in my family or with my group of friends? But we are barraged and I and uh, uh, all the time um, by images and by our own uh, received traditions. And we think we have to do it all. So one thing to do is to be mindful. You know, Marie Kondo, she had this you know she this kind of guru of organiz- organizing your closet and so forth and she had this uh she has this uh saying you know you have to look at Look at everything in your closet, you know, take out each item individually, thank thank each item for the service it's given you, and then ask, does this spark joy? Well, I think that's a great little method not to use for your closets. I mean, you could do it. You could clean. I could always use a little cleaning out of my closets. But what about our, the, our baggage and our closets when it comes to holidays? What is it that still serves us? What serves us at this moment? I might be go, I might be going through a time when I have lots of energy and lots of time to devote to um, holiday preparations and to all kinds of things. or I might not at this moment. I might have small children. I might not be feeling that great, right? I There might be all kinds of circumstances in my life that really limit that. And I need to ask myself for each one of these traditions, what sparks joy and make, and be, be very deliberate about what am I going to choose to do? I happen to love to decorate my house for holidays, for every holiday. My mother, was my mother, may she rest in peace, was a maximalist and she, uh, she decorated for everything. Um, so I love to do that. But the other day, um, I wasn't feeling great. And I thought, you know what, maybe I'm not going to decorate uh, to the extent that I did last year. Maybe I'll just take out one little, uh, you know, one little container of decorations and less is more. Right. Um, And I think I think we have to be deliberate. I think we have to ask ourselves what sparks joy. I think we have to ask ourselves at this moment in my life for this year, what is my capacity I think we also have to remind ourselves that we don't have to do it alone. If I am inviting people over to my home, I can ask people to bring something. There's a wonderful um, uh, Priya Parker who uh, wrote this wonderful book, The Art of Gathering. Um, she, one of her may, and I really recommend the book. Or just just Google her. But Priya Parker says, you know, ask something of your guests to bring an idea, to bring, uh, so it, it doesn't have to be some elaborate thing, but think about what your gatherings, what's the purpose of your gatherings? What could you add to your gatherings um, to make them more focused? So I think that um, really this idea of mindfulness and then to check in with yourself, how am I feeling right now? Not just once before the holidays or during a holiday, but a number of times and to check in with others um, about what what really um, would help um, bring happiness and joy um, and a sense of connection
2: well, want a sense of not being alone. I was gonna say I wanna express my gratitude to you for reminding me that I need to clean out my closet and I'm thanking my coffee cup right now to give me energy (laughs) to speak to all of you. And I think Chester might be back and I wanted to ask you too, what are your thoughts about creating new traditions?
1: I love the new tradition idea, you know, and and I also love the idea of taking away a couple of traditions if it's too stressful. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that, Rabbi, because my wife and I decided we would only put lights on the porch, not on all the trees and all the bushes this year. And it took a lot of pressure off us. So finding a new tradition, you know, one new tradition that we started as a family that our kids, as they've gotten older, have have really uh, come to enjoy, like they come back for Christmas now and they say, hey, we're taking the cookies, right? And what the tradition is, is on Christmas Day, we put together three plates of cookies and we take it to the emergency room, we take it to the fire uh, house, and we take it to the police department because they have to work on Christmas Day. And it's it's that simple little act of service. It doesn't take us a lot of time. We sing a little carol. We're not particularly good singers, but that's not the point. It's that service. And I, I do want to uh, come back to what um, what Pastor said was the, the community, you're not alone I think so often when we get stressed in the holidays, we're afraid to ask for help. And it's interesting, you know. I, I do a lot of executive coaching and I'll ask my executives, um, when someone asks you for help, are you happy to do it? And they say, oh, absolutely. And I say, how does that make you feel? And they say, oh, it makes me feel great. I say, great, how often do you ask for help? Oh no, I'm a giver, I don't need any help. I say, come on, everybody needs help. Do yourself a favor, start a tradition and ask for help. Like the rabbi said ask somebody to bring some food to the dinner and it'll make them feel great. Why would you deny someone the opportunity to have that great feeling of service when you enjoy it so much yourself? Does that make sense, Catherine?
2: Oh, absolutely. And it it actually reflects that. Um, I've also been thinking about, um, giving service in terms of uh, new holiday traditions. So thanks for the reminder that that's something I need to get on to. Um, we have about two minutes left here, but I just want to also ask Pastor Sean, you know, what are your new traditions, if you have any?
3: So interesting what, you know, Chester said, um, I began doing a gratitude journal a while ago as a new tradition, and it was so impactful for me that during this Advent season, the month leading up to Christmas, we gave um, gratitude journals to every person in our congregation.
1: Wow. And
3: we did it you know, on the Sunday um, by Thanksgiving and called it the Thanksgiving, the Giving Thanks Challenge for Advent and challenged people to write in this, not as an obligation, but as an opportunity, because we, we don't believe in religion as an obligation, but as an opportunity um to be together and do good things and, and and have things wonderful things happen as a result and the the impact um for certain people the response we're getting back from that is just you know tremendous and so that's that's a you know a new tradition relatively recently not not this year but you know several years ago that, that i began that is uh sustained for me every day and that i Introduced to the to the congregation uh, about a month ago, and just really believe in what you know Chester was talking about and seeing that impact. So I think that that's a new tradition that we are adopting and that we are you know encouraging. I mean, the power of gratitude is difficult to underestimate. Uh, just what that can do for for someone because it's it's easy for us to end up dwelling. It seems we're sometimes wired for focusing on that one hurt in a day that otherwise went well. And when we can rewire ourselves to look at, yeah, there is a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes it's brutally bad, but to still be able to see those points of light, um, you know, whether it's on the menorah or whether it's on an advent wreath or candles or whatever that source of light is in that difficult time to be able to see even those points of light, if the rest is difficult and the rest is nighttime, but you get those individual points of light and can focus on those, those can carry you through um, until there is more, uh, there is more daylight and less night in your, uh, in your life.
1: From you can know, I Catherine, I want to jump in just really quick. The pastor said something really important there about his gift of the gratitude journals. And it was no obligation, no guilt. It's just a suggestion. It's a gift. And I think that attitude really does reduce anxiety. Hey, here's an idea. If you can do it, great. But no obligation, no guilt. I love the way you positioned that, Pastor. That's
2: beautiful. Well, thank right. you. Thank you so I, much for I want for to add
0: something
1: also. I want to add
0: something also. Go for it yeah i I started a tradition three years ago when we were stuck in and and we couldn't gather inside of um shooting off fireworks for hanukkah and um now people feel like oh it's it's hanukkah we have to the rabbi's going to shoot off fireworks so sometimes uh you know uh necessity is the mother of invention i thought what can we three years ago i thought what can we do outdoors that is going to be really festive and i thought fireworks. And so every year my husband and I travel up to uh, New Hampshire and buy fireworks and we set them off uh, as part of our congregational Hanukkah celebrations. So you can do something that's a, a little offbeat as well.
2: I'm Love adding it. so many things to my new traditions. <laughs> um, this is Connecticut Public Radio um, and where we live. I'm Catherine Shen. You've been hearing from Rabbi Deborah Cantor and pa- uh, Pastor Sean Fisher. Thank you both so much for joining us today.
3: Pleasure,
2: Catherine. And we've also been hearing from Chester Elton, who's the author of Leading with Gratitude and Anxiety at Work, who talked with us about the importance of staying in the moment and being with people. Thank you for staying in the moment with us today, Chester.
1: You bet. Grateful for the opportunity.
2: Coming up, we'll be talking about ways to help navigate through grief, loss, and loneliness during the holidays. You can join the conversation, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Katherine Shen. Holidays can sometimes be overwhelming, especially if you're feeling sad, experiencing grief, feeling lonely, or thinking that you haven't been as productive as you like this year. Joining us now to help us talk through these moments is Dr. Carrie Vargas. She's a psychologist and regional director of Ambulatory Services for the Behavioral Network at Hartford HealthCare. Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie.
4: Thanks for having me, Katherine.
2: You can also join the conversation, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Um, Carrie, we've been talking a lot about holiday gatherings with family and friends, but what about for those who are experiencing loneliness or feeling sad or experiencing grief and, and loss over the holidays?
4: Yes, Catherine, I just want to say I really love what's been said so far. Um, and I really hope it's resonating with the audience and with anyone struggling with any stress or sadness around the holidays. Um, certainly, grief is a big topic because we tend to share these traditions and holidays with the ones we love. And if we've lost someone, um, you know, whether to uh, death or divorce, separation, et cetera it might be a very difficult time for the individuals who are trying to cope with that loss. Um, but you know, keeping in mind that grief is not just pain, it, it stems from love and trying to lean into that and embrace that um, the beauty of love is what causes the pain of loss. So trying to uh, embrace that and give the loss a place in the holiday by maybe changing traditions to honor the individual um, who is no longer with us.
2: And we talked a lot about creating new traditions and making holidays your own. Is, is that a good part of the process in terms of you know when you're feeling sad or if you feel like you need a change?
4: I definitely think so. I think it's um, deciding what is right for you and those closest to you. It's OK to change traditions. It's OK to do something totally different. It's okay to even take you know a year or, or two off from doing the things that you would normally do around the holidays. And really, I love what was said about joy. And in fact, in listening to Rabbi Cantor and uh, Pastor Fisher, I was writing down some catchwords in front of me on a pad and I wrote down joy um, before um, Rabbi Cantor had mentioned it because really, shouldn't that be what it's about? Um, again, we see all of these somewhat artificial depictions of the holidays on the hallmark channel or what have you, but aren't we looking to have joy in our heart, joy in our mind with our family members and and close uh, friends and family. And the way to do that is to really adjust things that feel right for you. Um, It's, you know, it's a time of year, it'll pass, um, making the best of it to do what's meaningful and fulfilling for you thinking about what makes my heart and my head happy and and going with that.
2: And we also talked about the winter solstice is the longest night of the year. Um, can you help us um, understand the idea of the seasonal affective disorder or SAD and how to cope with it?
4: Sure. Seasonal affective disorder um, is biological. So um, and it's a very real thing that around these times when there's less uh, sunlight, and there's an increase in uh, dark hours, and um, you know, it's, it's cold out, it's dark out, it definitely changes our biological clock and our circadian rhythms. So, this has a larger impact on some individuals than others, but reduced sunlight can cause um, a decrease in serotonin which is a neurotransmitter that affects our mood. So it's really a biological thing that happens. um, But in order to remedy those things, um, you know, the the light is really uh, the important part of that. So we're losing daylight. So how can you bring light uh, really literally and figuratively into your life uh, during this time of year? Um, I always encourage individuals to try to do something different in the evening than they would normally do. So a lot of us might feel, wow, it's dark out. I'm going to go home after work. I'm going to stay home. And, you know, we don't venture out because of the darkness and the cold. But getting into an environment where there's light and other people can definitely be uplifting for one's mood. So whether that's, you know, going to a gym or going to, um, you know, a friend's house to do some kind of activity together, etc., you know, turning on those lights and going to a bright lit place where you can enjoy time with others.
2: I actually remember the term. Um, it's pretty, I guess it's kind of new 15 years ago. And when I realized what it meant, it made so much sense to me. Um, and so, you know, we've talked about uh, the holidays and that's just around the corner, but New Year's is coming up too. And that can add even more pressure and regret of things that we haven't accomplished this year. Uh, what about what about New Year's stress? What about the post-holiday blues? Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
4: I think it's very important to note that for some individuals, the holidays are extremely uplifting. We've we've talked a bit about how to cope if you're you're struggling with certain things around the holidays, but um I definitely agree that some feel very let down after the holidays. And then those things that um maybe were difficult for them, like putting more financial stress on themselves in order to make the holiday uh, what they wanted it to be, can then lead to a decrease in mood after the holidays. It's almost like you know taking a vacation and coming back from that and feeling somewhat down. But um, I like the idea of thinking about New Year's not as resolutions, but as opportunities. So instead of dwelling on what could have gone differently over the course of the past year, um, you know bringing back uh, all of the concepts that Chester talked about with gratitude, what are you grateful for over the course of that last year? And making a gratitude list about those things um, as opposed to focusing on what I didn't do. I didn't lose 10 pounds. I didn't, um, you know take up a new hobby, et cetera. What are you grateful for over the course of the last year? And I'm also a big fan of um, looking for opportunities for the next year, maybe throughout, um, you know, over the holidays or as January comes upon us, creating a vision board. So for the, the year that's upcoming, what would you like to accomplish? And when I talk about that, I talk about not huge lofty things like taking on a new career or other things, but... Um, things that are tangible and achievable, and setting yourself up for success going into the new year. Um, So coming up with a list of those and a vision board, of course, is a pictorial um, depiction of that, that sometimes helps individuals, or you can simply do it by journaling. But I think looking forward and focusing on the positive is really important at this time of year, rather than dwelling on the, the, the stress and what's gone wrong.
2: I think coming out from the show, I'm going to start making so many lists. Uh, that was Carrie Vargas, psychologist and regional director of ambulatory services at Hartford HealthCare. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Carrie.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: I'm Catherine Shen. Today's show was produced by Tess Terrible. Our technical producer is Cap Pastor. Download Where We Live anytime on your favorite podcast app. And as always, thank you so much for listening.